0: exercising the first, backing it up with the second. Now, back to the guy facing down tyranny, one show at a time. Your host, David Robertson. All right, all right, welcome back to Destroying the Narrative. I'm your host, Dr. David Robertson. Thanks so much for being a part of the program. Got a decent show lined up for you today. Hope you stick around. Do appreciate your time. Um, There are a lot of things that um, are kind of going on as usual. Man, it's every week I get to say the same thing. A lot of things going on. A lot of things going on. But a lot of things under the radar. A lot of things under the radar. And by the way, um, this is... Well, I should probably back up. All right. So I told you, I think it was last week, that I'm working on a new... Uh, project of sorts to try to enhance uh, information distribution about a lot of different things. And my I, my initial vision has to be or I should say had to be uh, uh, amended, um, changed up a little bit just because of the capabilities and and things like that. Things I wanted to do in my head, uh, just maybe the technology is not there. So um, I've, ha- I've had to change a few things in regard to the vision. Uh, which is all right. Um, and I am working on that project. And and so basically the project is I'm going to be producing videos again. I know it's been years, um, but I'm going to start using the YouTube channel. Uh, but specifically what I'm going to be doing in, in the destroying the narrative fashion, uh, I'm going to be discussing uh, various points, topics, whatever it is, that have Like this wow moment, this underlying oh I didn't know that sort of an element, uh, with some critical reflection. So for instance, you know we may hit on a hit on a topic, and then I'll pose some questions to kind of ponder. Like okay, well here's the topic, here's what you didn't know, but here's how it applies. And uh, so the idea in my head is pretty decent. It's going to be about the material specifically. Um, So that's gonna be good too. I'm not trying to be a YouTube personality or something, but hopefully uh, hopefully that'll do well. I've produced some videos, or I should say I'm in the process of producing these videos. Uh so I believe I believe that I'll start putting them out next week or this coming week. So I don't know, um I don't know how good they're gonna be. I'm sure that you know I'll get better over time. Uh, Because it's been a while since I've been in the video making business. And not to say that the videos that I made before were any good, but whatever. We'll see how it goes. But it will be some... The things that I've done already should be rather impactful. I'll I'll say it that way. And I could do it on the podcast, but I just don't think the platform is correct for some of the information I'm going to distribute. Although some of the information I'm going to distribute runs the risk of you know, getting me booted off of uh, YouTube. So I'm going to talk about, like, so for instance, some of the videos that I'm working on right now, I'm talking about uh, female role uh, in sexual violence. I'm talking about uh, China's Belt and Road Initiative. I'm talking about, uh, there's another video I'm doing, uh, talking about the adverse effects of, uh, um, of vegetables, uh, some vegetables. And, uh, you know, just things like that, things that are like, oh, wow, that's interesting or, or whatever it is. So uh, look forward to that. That'll be coming soon. If you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, um, look for Beyond the Told. Uh, and you've probably noticed, uh, again, on the website, I've already started to make some of those changes, some of those shifts, haven't decided exactly what I'm going to do with the podcast yet, um, but uh, whatever. Whatever. I'm going to start getting into some cool, interesting, um, impactful information uh, rather than just complain every week about the state of affairs that we currently face. But we still have a lot of complaining to do, so welcome to the show. <laughs> All right, so Kansas City shooting. Yeah, that's we're going to start there. How about that? Have you noticed how fast that just left the uh, mainstream media? That was rapid time. And specifically because, 100 million percent because, it didn't fit the narrative that they're trying to push. Now, what's interesting, this story, as it unfolds, is a lot like what, you know, look, a lot of people saw the video that day and made a very clear and distinct connection about the reality of the situation absolutely and the funny thing is is that as information continues to slowly leak out it's not like really anybody's trying to push the truth because uh, here let's let's be clear a lot of the leg- legacy media sensationalized the whole thing and tried to use it for a political advantage rather than reporting the truth which is you know what they're supposed to be doing you would think you know accuracy over narrative would be fantastic or we should say uh agenda right but you know that's that's not how it happened unfortunately so the guy uh and you can you can go look this up again they're trying really hard to distract you with other things but i would encourage you to you know again know as much as you can cuz the look here's the thing this conversation will come up at some point in time in your circle of friends so it might not be a bad idea to know the facts i'm going to cover some of them but it's not going to be the full story because the story's actually and interestingly enough rather deep okay and i'm just going to talk about one guy here all right remember there were multiple people um who who were arrested in in this incident. All right. So he was booked. The photo was out. He's not some crazed, you know, white nationalist, you know, whatever, all the garbage that they were trying to spew on legacy media. That's, that's not what it was. Right. And, and the reason for the shooting wasn't some politically motivated thing. As a lot of legacy media tried to infer. No, it was It was a dumb, dumb situation because somebody looked at another person stupid. They looked at him wrong. And to me, this is indicative of the society that we are currently in. But the thing is, folks, it wasn't even the first time. Kansas City Star reported that three years before the mass shooting, the same suspect had drew his gun at a rec center ball game. Now, this guy, let's see, roughly three years before, oh, this is Lyndall Mays allegedly pulled a gun at the Kansas City Chiefs' victory rally and fired, the 23-year-old was a suspect in another incident involving a firearm displayed in a public place. Right? And this is kind of what I mean. Like, it's, there's a history here. And and this is by their own words. It I mean, that's literally what they were talking about. Um, let me see here. When detectives asked Mays why he advanced towards the group to begin with, he allegedly replied, quote, stupid man, just pulled a gun out and started shooting. I shouldn't have done that. Just being stupid. All because somebody looked at somebody else wrong. But because, you know, we're kind of trying to be tough guys or whatever it is. Um, you know, we're in a setting, we're in a public setting, got a safe face, you know? Uh, you know, I speculated that, you know, perhaps there was some gang involvement and, you know, that still remains to be seen. Uh, the question has been asked, but it has been dodged. Uh, but either way, this is what I mean. Like, so it doesn't fit the narrative. So immediately, as soon as the information comes out that it doesn't fit the narrative, that they want to shove down your throat every single day, they shut it down. And the weird thing is, friends, I had to dig for this information. I had to dig for it. Of course, there's a couple juveniles facing criminal charges, gun-related charges. But, it, but again, the question is, well, all right, so if they're juveniles and they're facing gun charges, and this was literally all about um, somebody looking at somebody else stupid, where did they get the guns if the gun laws work? That's what I mean. Like, this is so dumb. Why do we always have to repeat the same nonsense? It's just stupid, and I'm so tired of the debate. There is no debate. That's the irony. But, here's the thing, people don't know what they don't know. And there is this underlying premise of ignorance when it comes to fundamental unalienable rights fundamental ignorance. And I mean that. I'll give you an example. This week on MSNBC, it was on the uh, Chris Hayes show. They had a guest and, and they're all sitting around talking. And this person literally has no idea what they're talking about, but this person is being promoted as some sort of, you know, well, I don't know, as somebody with a valid enough opinion to be able to talk on a national platform. It's so stupid. Let me share with you what was said the one thing that unites all of them because there's many different groups orbiting trump but the thing that rena- unites them as christian nationalists not christians by the way because christian nationalists is very different mm-hmm. is that they believe that our rights as americans as all human beings don't come from any earthly authority they don't come from congress they don't come from the supreme court they come from god yeah no doubt That's what it says in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence. That's the theme. They don't come from authority. Rights exist in the absence of authority. Privileges, privileges, are what authority extends to followers. These are rights, not privileges. And by the way, I should add in, license or permit, again, just for clarity, is official permission for something that would otherwise be illegal. But if it's an unalienable right, which means it cannot be licensed, adjusted, altered, traded, or taken away, what do you have? Jackass. And, and this is my point. It is a fundamental ignorance. But you know what? Here's the thing. This is the irony of ironies. She says that Christian nationalists are the ones that believe that. Well, first of all, um, you, you know, that doesn't align with me at all. And I know, I know, I know, I get it. Nobody likes definitions because it completely destroys misconception. But they're important. And I get it. Words are relative. I tell my students all the time, words are relative. Be careful. Be careful. Decimate doesn't mean destroy. Apocalypse doesn't mean the end of the world. Travesty doesn't mean some horrible event. Words are relative. You don't know what you don't know. Oh, yeah, well, they, they believe that it, it, it comes from God, not from an authority. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, whatever. Complicates, it complicates the discussion about, you know, what can we do about dumbasses with firearms? Despite the fact—but but, but again, I've said this so many times, it doesn't even matter— Look, we're we're going to we're going to cry about, you know, a lot of firearm deaths. Meanwhile, the things that are truly killing Americans in droves, the things that are absolutely destroying this country, we don't want to do anything about. We don't want to we don't even want to talk about it. We don't even want to talk about it. By the way, also doing a video on that, going to talk about the actual statistics, going to make it abundantly clear what the heck is truly going on in that realm? Now, I've written articles on that before, but, I mean, it's absolutely imperative that we call a spade a spade. Oh, the statistics around firearm-related death. Yeah, do you really want to look at the statistics around firearm-related death? If so, then why the hell are you going after rifles? And by the way, this Kansas City shooting, according to their own reports, were pistols. Even though, you know... We know that there was, there was some other stuff. They don't want to talk about that either, because then that—and compl- and here's why. Here's why. Now, if you saw the videos of that event, you saw, no doubt, you saw the rifle. Even TMZ reported on it with the headline, Chiefs Rally Fatal Shooting New Video Reveals Rapid Fire Shots AR-Style Rifle Seized. But you'll notice— that they are absolutely and abundantly staying away from the rifle-related element of that in this instance. You should ask yourself why. And you can probably explore that why, but I will tell you that that is like the biggest red flag ever regarding their agenda. It is so stupid. Anyway, I mean, you look at the statistics, okay? Look at the statistics, In any of them, even the lower end, it doesn't even matter. It's not the rifles. Never was the rifles. First of all, in 2021, 54% of all gun-related deaths in the U.S. were suicides. 43% were murders, and that's according to the CDC. Second, according to the FBI, handguns were used in the vast majority of those instances. But here's the kicker. Assault weapons were involved in only 3% of those firearm-related murders. So, again, why go after the rifles? Very small percentage. And when you really break it down, if you really want to start looking at, like, so, for instance, AR-15s, then we're even, I mean, it's a tiny little, tiny little percentage comparative to, um, you know, the other types of rifles that people might get. And just the ignorance that is spewed on, on the national platforms. Well, you shoot an AR-15 at a deer, it, it explodes the deer. It's not even worth—what are you talking about? Why are you talking about things you don't know? It's so crazy to me. And for whatever dumb reason, the American people put up with it. I don't know why. I mean, some of it is ignorance, absolutely. But anyway, so my point was, it's again, we're, we're, we're looking at a whole slew of issues that are indicative of the situation that our nation currently finds itself in, and we should be alarmed by that considering the cycles, right? We have lost sight of the national vision. I've said it a million times. But I want to show you just how deep this goes. I mean, I'll give you an example. There was a story out of San Francisco. I'll give you the headline and we can. I've read the article a couple times. It's interesting. Um, but it says Fires, public sex prompt Bay Area Library to close, hire armed guards. I'll read this. So that was the headline. It says, For the first time ever, patrons of the Antioch Public Library will be greeted by an armed security guard upon entering the building. Safety concerns necessitated an abrupt closure of the library and the implementation of this measure, library staff confirmed right so instead of cleaning up the problem doing something about the the problem we're willing to shut down institutions of knowledge and learning and and you know it and really just kind of you know i don't know create an atmosphere of this is not a place that you want to be we've already done that with schools Right. We've already we've as a a society, we've already made school and education, you know, institutions of learning these places that you don't want to go, which is asinine. If you believe anything that Thomas Jefferson said. Now we're doing it to libraries And, and, you know, but it's also our history. Think about all of our history that's kind of being put into museums that people don't go to. It's I what it, oh this is it just it breaks my heart rather and look these these most of these some of these people <laughs> i had to pull that back real quick some of these people want help and it doesn't matter anyway we know it can be done we know it can get cleaned up california proved that when their chinese counterparts decided to come in and you know kind of uh make their presence known i just I, for me i can't fathom the priority here. I mean, would you rather allow, you know, drugs and public sex to go on or have a library open? I mean, that doesn't even seem like a logical question, but that is that was the question posed. And, and they said, well, all right, let's shut down the library and let's hire a security guard. OK, fine. But think about the people who are going to go to the library. They still have to go through all the people who are homeless and on drugs and having public sex and defecating in the streets. Is that something that somebody who would attend a library would want to go walk through? Do you think that they're going to risk being assaulted and robbed for drug money? No. This, and this is what I'm talking about. Like, for crying out loud. The absurdity. Now, I would love to say that it's just happening in San Francisco, but it's not. This is just one example of a much bigger problem that we just don't want to face. Well, you know, if we don't face the problem, I don't care how uncomfortable it is. You know, it's going to get worse. And that's sort of the problem. Well, I mean, it is absolutely the problem. It is total in its totality the problem. What are we doing to ourselves? And we advocate for a lot of it. That's the, that's the crazy part. You know, we're like, oh, it's not worth it. Oh, you know, I don't want to have any part of that. And we sit here and argue about the dumbest stuff. We're not solving any problems. And we lie to ourselves. That's the weird part. That's the weird part. And just over the dumbest things, too. There was a story in the Daily Mail. I thought this was interesting. It definitely kind of aligns with my point, something we've been talking about for a while. It says a legal migrant from Venezuela, right, been talking about Venezuela for a few weeks, is arrested for murder of UGA nursing student Lincoln Riley, was released from CBP CBP custody because of overcrowding. Now, Jose Antonio Ibera, 26, has been identified and charged for allegedly murdering nursing student Lely Reichen, 22, at the University of Georgia in Athens. Officials, Officials have confirmed that Ibera is not a U.S. citizen and did not know or have any kind of relationship with Riley. UGA Police Chief Jeffrey Clark called the murder a crime of opportunity and said evidence shows that the accused acted alone. Okay, fine. But... Why was somebody from Venezuela here? Why was somebody from Venezuela who's military-aged here? Why was the murder allowed to happen? Did it have to happen? I don't think so. But we don't want to call a spade a spade. We don't want to address the problem. And we want to fight with ourselves over nonsensical elements of this. Largely because we've lost sight of what we're trying to save. It goes back to what I said. You cannot support, love, defend, or something you do not know. What are we trying to save? More importantly, why? If we don't know that, guess what? Our effort's going to be really low. And when you look around the country, that's exactly what we see. This isn't rocket science. That's why I can pull up a bunch of stories and just jabber about it for a while. It's ridiculous. But... You know, it's an anomaly for, I mean, evidently it's an anomaly. It's, it's this conundrum. It's an Rubik's Cube. For, and a complicated one for people in government. It's not hard. Yeah, but if we do this, we might get canceled or, you know, our constituents or no, your constituents, I promise you, actually give a damn about their family. Now, granted, there are a lot of people who have been conditioned into confusion. There's no doubt about that. And some level of forgiveness can be kind of extended for that. But why are they conditioned that way? That's the question. Oh, wait a second. There seems to be a common theme revolving around ignorance and dumb decisions. This has been going on for at least, I don't know, the bulk of my life. And it's so dumb. But this is true across the board. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, violence in the streets, sex in the streets, drugs in the streets, shutting down libraries, rewriting history, which evidently is a pretty popular thing right now. Some of the pictures that are coming out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So stupid. But whatever. And we're just lying to ourselves at every turn. At every turn. Even about stuff that you would think you would think you couldn't lie to yourselves about. But that's how bad the the conditioning goes. I'll give you a great example. I was at a... I'm the chair of a government affairs committee. And... um You know, so we talk about bills and legislation that's going to impact small business. So it's not really even a partisan situation. It's just, does it impact business positively or negatively? Here's the information, right? And so, of course, in that comes the economic element. And and you guys know, uh, I'm not one to pull punches when it comes to economic numbers. I'm, again, do we want to be right or do we want to be accurate? Well, doing this this Affairs Committee, and somebody didn't like some of the numbers that I was sharing, like functional unemployment and uh, core inflation and so on and so forth. So, of course, you know, she chimes up. She's like, well, how do you reconcile this with the with the media saying that, um, uh, you know, the government or, you know, the economy is growing? You know, my initial thought was I don't have to reconcile it at all. If you want to believe that, fine. But I didn't want to be that way because, you know, it's a professional setting but, uh, but, but that's definitely what I was feeling. I'm like, look, I don't care. You believe whatever you want. You believe whatever you want. If that ends up helping you achieve whatever it is you want to achieve, great. Fantastic. Awesome. But if you don't want to get blindsided by recession and the things that are going to come along with that and the slippery slope into depression, then, you know, maybe listen to the numbers. And by the way, it wasn't my number anyway. So I talk about, for instance, functional unemployment, right? 23.3%. I brought up the fact that, you know, to put that into perspective, at the height of the Great Depression, it was 25%. We're pretty darn close. That didn't jive well because evidently MSNBC didn't let this person know uh, about the reality of the situation and didn't understand for whatever reason that, you know, we could we could fudge the numbers in such a way to demonstrate growth despite a net loss. But this is what I mean. That only happens when you are absolutely willing and trying to lie to yourself, which you shouldn't do. Oh, by the way, uh one of the first videos that I am going to produce— Uh, Or I should say, because it's all almost finished, is going to be an economic projection. It's going to be a strategic forecast. Um, So look forward to that. Although I think you know what that's going to be. Because, I mean, look, here's here's the thing. Here's a story. Where is this from? um, Business Insider. Americans are facing a credit card debt crisis. U.S. consumers are struggling with soaring credit card debt and rising interest rates. But but wait a second. Why are they struggling with that? Again, it, just ask a question and seek the answer. Don't tell me things are awesome. Here's the thing. If things were so awesome and everybody was in—I've said it so many times. If everybody was in such a great position, they wouldn't be struggling with— with credit card debt, student loan debt, mortgage debt, etc., 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 etc. We wouldn't see car delinquencies. For crying out loud, who wants their car repoed? We—oh, it's so frustrating. Anyway, experts said the debt increase is the most concerning for young adults. For young adults. The ones who are more apt to spend— traditionally or otherwise, and they're running out of room on their credit cards. They're running out of the ability to pay off their credit cards, to even pay down their credit cards, and a lot of those are going delinquent, which, by the way, is going to have a cascade effect regarding credit scores and the whole nine yards, jobs, everything else. You are watching a systemic situation unfold. I cannot emphasize that enough. The evidence is there. Credit card debt's now at a record level. Interest rates are soaring. Core inflation, again, up roughly 20% over the last three years. By the way, just to reiterate, it doesn't have to be this way. So yes, again, and I, I talk about it all the time, but week after week after week after week after week, I can present information that shows that the situation is getting worse, not better. Here's another story from Business Insider. A trusted indicator is fueling recession warnings from uh, Jeremy Grantham and other gurus. Why? The leading economic index brings together data on stocks, housing, credit, jobs, and sentiment. Trusted recession indicator has declined for 22 consecutive months through January. Jeremy Grantham, Jeffrey uh, Gunlack, David Rosenberg, Gary Schilling have all warned about the trend. The recession indicator, with a stellar track record, has been flashing red for nearly two years now. Fanning fears that the economy is falling into a slump. No doubt. Why hasn't it happened yet? Kick the can down the road as much as you can, that's why. Leading economic index fell for the 22nd consecutive month in January, dropped by 3% between July uh, and July after slumping 4.1% over the preceding six months. Yeah, But, but look, I guess maybe the point I want to convey here is that this is one indicator of many that are saying the same thing. And I ran a strategic forecast on this. I ran everything cuz it just it's so laborious to to run all that information through the model. Okay? I mean it's I cannot tell you. It's so labor intensive. Um but and and by the way, the thing is is that <clears throat> you know, with the economy things change all the time. So almost as soon as you you do something, you run a number, you come to a conclusion, something changes, it either gets worse or it gets better, so then it's out of date. And rel- I mean, pretty quick, you know, but we're on such a trend now um, that I felt confident enough to to run a strategic forecast. Our probability, and, and again, strategic forecast is, is a little different than what you would see from, say, an economist or, you know, a lot of what they're looking at. So what we're looking at, a strategic forecast is the probability of outcome based on current trajectory. Okay, that's all it is. Anyway, like I said, I'm going to do a video on it. I'll provide the details. But I'll tell you what, you know, my the strategic forecast says somewhere between 60 and 70 percent chance of recession in the very near future because we're watching a systemic Well, yeah, I mean, it is systemic, but we're kind of watching this domino effect. Kick the can down the road for a while, fine, but, you know, again, if the cause does not correct, the effect is to be expected. But again, over and over and over. Now, here's the thing. Here's another story. Recession in 2024 would burst the biggest stock bubble since the dot-com craze, sending the market down 40%. Of course, last week I, I think I shared with you that um, um, the, you know the, the the sentiment was kind of like somewhere between twenty and thirty percent drop. Um, well, Paul Dietrich, he's the chief investment strategist of B Riley. He's saying forty percent stock crash. Even a mild recession could spark as much as a forty percent stock crash. It's because the market is looking. Uh, the most overvalued since the dot-com craze of 2001, he said. And it goes on, he says, a recession will likely strike in 2024. But again, all of these people who have a, a stellar record, uh, who know the business, who understand what they're doing, pros in their field, are all saying similar things. It's not the same thing, because again, I want you to think about this. Every professional is going to use a variety of tools, okay? They're not all using the same tools. They're using a variety of tools to give them what they feel is a strategic advantage in whatever it is they do. Like, so for me, I developed uh, a strategic forecasting model, but mine is meant to look a little further, right? So it's not like, what happens tomorrow? That's That's not what it is. But anyway... We all use specific a variety of specific tools, and these different tools used in conjunction are give if well, they're going to give you different results, right? Ultimately, but if there is a trend and everybody's <clears throat> using a variety of different tools, they will give you similar answers. So if we're talking about a thirty percent drop, a twenty percent drop, or a forty percent drop, yeah, that's. Those are very different numbers, but they all say the same thing. OK, they're all talking about a correction or a crash or whatever, however you want to title that. A downturn. OK, they're all saying the same thing. And, and that's sort of the takeaway. I mean, so you can take my word for it or you can listen to the repeated and very different individuals who have a stellar track record in that industry specifically. All saying the same thing. Okay, so here's another. This is uh, uh, Ibrahim, I think is how you pronounce the name. Uh, Pretty decent track record there as well. Um, But again, similar situation. This is the headline. Recession is coming and it could send stocks plummeting 26 percent as dwindling savings rates spark a vicious cycle in the economy. So again, 26 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent. Those are all pretty big percentages. But they're all kind of saying the same thing. Ibrahim uh, predicted a downturn would come sometime before early 2025. Once the economy slips into a contraction, stocks could plummet 20, 26%. Um, and then, of course, it goes on to talk about, let see, recession is still on the way, even as optimism pervades across Wall Street. But, but again, the economy isn't necessarily Wall Street. I mean it's it's a it's a composite of Main Street and Wall Street and you know consumer sentiment. If you're out of money, you're not going to spend. If you're worried about you know whatever, you may not spend. And that's just the truth. And by the way, if if you think about well, you know the 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 economy grew um you know by x percent. Okay, but then costs have risen, let's say, whatever. Economy grew 3%, your costs are up 10%. There's a bit of a mismatch there, and that's the point. And that's kind of what's happening. Right? Your rate of inflation, and by the way, it, it goes back to some I've said several times. As we see these contorted numbers, that's that's the reasoning, that's the excuse for why they're going to continue to go down the road. And I've said it before, I don't think they can turn back at this point. I don't think they can. It'd be interesting if they did. I think it would just be a nuclear bomb to our to our economy, but um, I don't know. Maybe in a lot of ways that would help expedite the the, the recovery, the true recovery, not the nonsensical one. But my question is saying this is – I've got so many questions – like why do they continue to destroy our economy when it's so simple there's a lot of people who have some amazing ideas on on how to fix all this and none of them are explored my question is why what's the what's the agenda here's here, you know here's a slew of amazing ideas you explore none of them there's no public discussion about any of them nobody cares because largely because they don't know. And those in government are either absolutely ignorant to the situation or maybe there's something else going on. Now, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination, but for crying out loud. I mean, somebody should somewhere ask the question why not? Oh, well, it's a complicated situation, David. You've got all many other. Shut up. That said, there are complicated elements to it. For instance, the value of the dollar. When you look at the—or, you know, let me back that up a little bit and call it the petrodollar. and you look at the world abandoning the dollar because of its inflationary mechanisms, that, that brings up a different deal. And yes, if we were to bring back the value of the dollar, it would be rough. But if we don't, it's going to be catastrophic. In a lot of different ways. Economic upheaval? Maybe. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's just a part of it. Maybe that's a catalyst for a fundamental shift in the way the world does business. I don't know. You think about the introduction of the CBDC and, you know, related ideas, or you think about, you know, these these national-type programs these currency I mean just look at the Chinese look at kind of where they're going with that I don't think they've they're not even close to done with full implementation of what they're trying to do Um, but you can kind of look at that and go okay well you know a lot of our leaders really like what the Chinese do like I said I'm gonna I'm gonna publish the um, strategic forecast in a video format on the YouTube channel in the very near future, probably this week. Um, and again, it's look. I I get that it can be grim. I get that it can be grim. But look, address. Here's how I see it. Okay, it's better to know the threat and navigate it than to not know the threat and be a victim of it. That's just my philosophy. And you know. It kind of, you know, even for it doesn't matter what it is, even as a parent. As a parent. I tell my daughter all the time, I cannot help you if I do not know. Tell me what's going on. Tell me the truth. Give me the full scope of what's going on. Even if it's hard, even if it's hard for me to hear, I want to know. But. Whatever. The truth of the matter is, um, well, we're heading for a very specific thing. I mean, and that's that's just what it is. And that's why I think, too, that they can't pull back. I think that's why they can't adjust. And again, evidence of this. Of things that I've been trying to demonstrate for quite some time are just repeatedly in the news every single week. I'll give you some examples here. Well, like last week, I'll get, yeah, let's start there. So last week, I I think it was last week, last week or the week before, I was talking about Venezuela. Well, I talk about Venezuela a lot, whatever. But the thing was, Venezuela, everybody in South America was talking about Venezuela's military buildup. And the White House is like, there is no buildup. I don't know what they're talking about. Meanwhile, we've got Venezuelan people killing our citizens and nobody cares. And I said, that's absolutely asinine. Absolutely asinine. Well, again, here's the thing. If it wasn't happening, we wouldn't see headlines like this. Here's a story in the Financial Times. Venezuela troop buildup breaches international law, and they're trying to get the international community to do something about what's going on. Well, here, here's a story out of England from about a week ago. Venezuela is expanding its military bases near its border with Guyana and deploying forces to the jungle frontier as President Nicolas Maduro ramps up his threats to annex the country's oil-rich neighbor, satellite images have revealed. Brazil deployed more troops to its border with Guyana and Venezuela this week amid the growing regional tensions, and the U.S. agreed to bolster Guyana's defense with new aircraft, helicopters, military drones, and radar technology. But I'll just say it this way. If there was nothing going on... It wouldn't be such huge news in South America. It wouldn't be such huge news for the rest of the globe. Minus the United States. And again, you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is the rest of the world going? There's a situation going on there with Guyana and Venezuela and, you know, maybe look at that. And United States is like, nope, there's there's nothing going on. Don't look. Hey, did you hear about the shooting? Yeah. What's the agenda? Why are you being... Especially, like, when they're trying to flood media with certain topics, why? What don't you want me to see? Unless, of course, it is some legitimate story. But anymore, anymore, that seems to be kind of the rarity, in my opinion. I mean, just some of the dumb stuff that's... Stories about stories about an influencer. Right? Right? that that i that's a real thing by the way what was that i think it was last tuesday i'm sifting through you know cuz every week i do research about every day looking for things to talk to you about and i'm sifting through the news and uh i came across it was like and i didn't understand the title cuz i you know i don't i'm not on instagram or you know whatever the those things are I, i'm not on those But it was, I didn't understand the headline. And I was like, what? And so I started digging into it. It was a story about another story about a social media influencer that, you know, I'd never even heard of. But my idea of influence is very different from what I think the vast majority of people consider to be influence, you know? Um, But I guess, you know, objectively, there's positive influence, negative influence. You know, snorting cinnamon. I don't know. That's just stupid. But anyway, so dumb. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Let's move on. We'll go into some of our war stuff here. CNBC, Iran has the largest ballistic missile arsenal in the Middle East. Now it's sending them to Russia. Yeah, the Fatah 110 missile has an effective range of about 190 miles, is known to be highly accurate, and has been used in strikes from Iran to Iraq, Syria, and Pakistan. Story from Reuters exclusive. Iran sends Russia hundreds of ballistic missiles, sources say. Now, I imagine most people are going to be like, oh, you know, American sources trying to drum it." No, this is actually Iranian sources. Iran's provision of around 400 missiles includes many of the Fatah-110 family of short-range ballistic missiles. Uh, Three Iranian sources said the road-mobile missiles capable of striking targets at a distance of between 300 and 700 kilometers or 186 and uh, 435 miles, according to experts. Now, of course... Iran denies that, which is sort of weird. Um, So, But here's that story. Iran denies supplying ballistic missiles to Russia. Iran's permanent mission to the United Nations has denied media reports that it has supplied Russia with ballistic missiles that could be used to wage a full-scale war against Ukraine. They call them unsubstantiated. Now, Occam's Razor. Understanding that, of course, when you factor in drones and all the other stuff that has been sent up, uh, yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but in, I don't know, just the attempt to be objective, reports are saying one thing. Some Iranians are saying that it's being sent. Some Iranians are saying no. So, you know. I guess maybe the point is, is, yeah, the denials could be true, but uh, don't be surprised. After all... Russia is turning to all of its allies for supplies, you know, as evidenced by North Korea and so on and so forth. Actually, I'll touch on that in a second because it's uh, it's overlapped with another story. Let's talk about Ukraine real quick, because, again, I'm seeing my 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 forecast demonstrates an escalation and we're starting to see that, uh, you know, it should be significant. Uh, And again, we're starting to see that story from Defense One. First Ukrainian F-16 pilots will complete their training in whole as soon as May. Air National Guard director says the effort is taking a bit longer because pilots need to learn full range of missions. Ukrainian pilots will start graduating from F-16 fighter jet training in May, according to Air National Guard estimates. Uh, The first four pilots are pretty close to the end of their training. Um, U.S. is training 12 Ukrainian pilots for uh, in fiscal 24, all of whom are set to graduate between May and August. Now, that's who the United States is training. Remember, it's not just the United States training those pilots. In fact, the Royal Air Force, on their website, says that, quote, The RAF began delivering flying and English language training in August as part of the U.K. contribution to the International Air Capability Coalition for Ukraine. Which will see allies and partners working together to bolster Ukraine's air capabilities. Unquote. Just to be clear. Okay. Um, it's a concerted effort from several nations. Okay. Um, but as far as the United States goes, yeah, the ones we're training here, looks like that'll be me. But again, I've speculated before, there's a pretty decent chance that some of those pilots are already starting to get out as far as the the ones trained in other countries. Matter of fact, I should probably read you this. comes from Radio Free Europe back in July of 23. Quote, Defense Minister Alexei Reznikov has said that Ukraine and 11 other countries signed a memorandum regarding the training of Ukrainian pilots on F-16 fighter jets. The defense ministry said in a statement on July 11th, that the 11 nations are Denmark, Britain, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Sweden, and Canada. Goes on. Ukrainian pilots, technicians, and support personnel will take part in the training program. Anyway. Meanwhile, story, uh, Denmark confirms Ukraine set to receive first F-16 jets this summer. So, to align with the the official graduation dates as, as it were. Ukraine can expect to receive the first batch of US made F 16 fighter jets from Denmark already this summer, according to the Danish Defense Ministry. Denmark has pledged to send Ukraine 19 F 16s, uh, with the first batch of six aircraft initially expected to be delivered in spring of 24 and the rest uh, throughout and by 25. Uh, there were reports in January that Denmark's donations of six F-16s to Kiev could be delayed for as much as six months, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, and again, it's not just Denmark, but I'm just trying to paint the picture that this is, this is about to occur. The things that Vladimir Putin warned everybody about, said don't do this, that's about to occur. Now, I have said that this... Again, it's it's incremental escalation. That's, that's what you should expect to see, and that is what we are seeing. Now, one of the most alarming things that I've seen regarding this escalation happened this week. Story from Newsweek, NATO gives Ukraine the go-ahead to cross Putin's red line. NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said that Ukraine has the right to use its Western-supplied weapons to defend itself against Russia, even if... That includes striking targets within Russia's borders. Quote, this is Russia's aggressive war against Ukraine, which is a blatant violation of international law, uh, Stoltenberg told Radio Liberty during an interview on Tuesday. Quote, and according to international law, Ukraine has the right to defend itself or sorry, the right to self-defense. And it also includes strikes against legitimate military targets, Russian military targets outside of Ukraine. That's international law, and of course, Ukraine has the right to do that, to defend itself. Now, the thing is, you know, the use of Western weapons, right, which again is one of those things Vladimir Putin said he wasn't going to stand for, right? Now, in, re- in, in response to that, um again a one of those threats now you got to understand that you know when russia makes a threat <clears throat> it's 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 usually not an empty one which is why i thought this was so so very interesting deputy chairman of the russian security council dmitry medvedev who was also formerly the prime minister and president of russia in service to vladimir putin has threatened Western capitals with, quote, the entire strategic arsenal of Russian nuclear weapons. Medvedev, for whom um, absolutely no slight is too small to necessitate a nuclear response, was speaking of Ukraine's hope to retake its UN-recognized national territory, which in some cases have been occupied by Russia for very close to 10 years. Russia has amended its constitution and now considers those areas, Crimea, uh, Denest, uh, uh, I don't know, some of these areas, um, to be full parts of the Russian Republic. Attempting to push the borders back to where they were before will invite a massive retaliation, Medvedev said in his latest threat on Sunday, making clear he sees the Western states aiding Ukraine with arms as legitimate targets. He said attempts to return Russia to the borders of 1991 will lead to only one thing to global war with Western countries using the entire strategic arsenal of our state in Kiev, Berlin, London, and Washington. That's pretty significant. Now, match that with the fact that NATO's like, yeah, go ahead and strike them. Do what you got to do. Use Western weapons. Need F-16s, need f uh, you know, of course the desires for the F-18s, but here's some patriots, here's whatever. Good to go. Fight, fight, fight away. And meanwhile, of course, NATO's trying to get everybody in, in, inside of, or I should say, more members into NATO, which is just further encircling Russia. The, just all the things. Russia provided, here's the thing. Russia provided a list of things that shouldn't happen if, if the West wants it to stop. And the West is doing everything on that list. Weird. Meanwhile, and again, it's, it's, that's just the Baltics. We see the Middle East doing the same thing. Iran, the fact that the stories are running that Iran is supplying Russia with ballistic missiles, right? Meanwhile, they're building a case for why the United States should go to war with Iran. Do you, again, so, so, so there's the Baltics, there's the Middle East and through the Horn of Africa. We're, we're, we're seeing the rumblings of, of Venezuela. Right. But when we look at what's going on in the South Pacific, South China Sea again, every week, there's more information to convey here. China gives stern warning to U.S. after arms sales to Taiwan. Everybody was worried about Ukraine. Nobody thought about Taiwan. China has accused the United States of undermining their relationship after the State Department approved another round of military equipment for Taiwan. The planned sale of a tactical communication system drew a swift rebuke from the Chinese foreign ministry, which pledged, quote, strong and resolute measures to protect its territory. Now, in another story, which almost got no um, play whatsoever for whatever reason, story out of Beijing, Reuters, China aims to, quote-unquote, contain foreign interference over Taiwan and resolutely combat any effort toward the island's formal independence this year. This year. They're going to contain them this year. But maybe that's why you haven't heard about it. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But this is a big year for a lot of different reasons. I think at the base, one of the things we all have to understand is that this year is the 75th anniversary of the founding of Communist China, according to them. So, this is a big year for a lot of different reasons. The symbolism, symbolism is very, very important to, well, any nation, really. So there's that. Meanwhile, China continues its search for a maritime military presence in West Africa. Reports that China is seeking a military base in Gabon fit into broader pattern. Absolutely, the broader pattern should be um, considered. It's it's not just. <laughs> I'll just be frank about it. It's not just Gabon. It's not just Djibouti you're you're watching a very interesting thing unfold and i cannot stress that enough that if you just kind of focus in on one little area you're going to miss the bigger picture now what i what i was kind of alluding to before and what i want to go ahead and talk about now is like the motivation like again if you look at what's going on with nato and you look at what's going on with china it's it's almost like our government has this list of things that have been stated by these other nations that says, if you do this, then we'll do this, and they're like, okay, we're going to do it. But what I found particularly interesting, there was a report. This was this was on CNN. North Korean. I want you to just soak this in. North Korean missile fired by Russia. So again, it was kind of what I was talking about before. Russia's getting a lot of stuff from a lot of their friends. So a North Korean missile that was fired by Russia against Ukraine contained U.S. and European components. Well, isn't that interesting? North Korean ballistic missile fired last month by the Russian military in Ukraine contained hundreds of components that trace back to companies in the United States and Europe, according to the new report. I find that to be... Absolutely interesting. Very intriguing. Whatever. By the way, North Korea plans to launch three more spy satellites to ramp up its military. Thought this was interesting. North Korea has planned to launch three more spy satellites as part of its efforts to ramp up its military. Speaking at a meeting of Ruling Workers' Party of Korea, leader Kim Jong-un said the new year will see more military development. Yeah, why not? Their friends are helping them along the way. And that's sort of the point, friends. That's sort of the point. A lot of things going on. Um, And it is. It's an escalation. It's almost as if that's what they want. And in a lot of ways, it probably is exactly what they want. War is good business. It serves several. A big, huge global war would serve several very important um, or maybe I should say it would facilitate a lot of pointed desires from those of various governments around the world that's That's my opinion again I'm a commentator i'm I'm somebody on the internet. You don't have to believe me, but that being said, track record's pretty darn good and the evidence continues to mount. That's the reality. Don't forget to check out the website, dmrpublications.com, and again, be sure to subscribe to the new YouTube, well, it's an old YouTube channel that's being renewed, refreshed, reinvigorated, called Beyond the Told. Now, destroying the narrative and Beyond the Told are essentially the same things. I don't know if the podcast is going to change names or not, I guess it doesn't have to, uh, but it is what it is. Like I said, I'll keep you posted, but expect some of those videos to start rolling out pretty soon. I would love your feedback. You can give me feedback through the website, dmrpublications.com. Some of you have my personal email address. You're welcome to address me there. Uh, But feedback is important, and I would appreciate it. All right, friends, that does it for me. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I appreciate you more than you know. And we'll see you here next time. Until then, take care.